Morning, everyone. <laughs> I'll just talk to myself, that's all right. <laughs> okay, very welcome to our service this morning. And um, um, anybody that's watching online, of course, is very welcome also. Um, but unfortunately, I start off with a, a very sad announcement, and it is with deep regret that I announced the death of Mr. Tom McCready, who passed away on the, in the early hours of Friday morning. And his funeral service will be here in the church this Friday at half past 11, if you would like to come and support the family. And our thoughts, of course, and our prayers go out to his family and friends at this time. Um, I'd just like to, on a happier note, I'd like to thank everyone. I know they've been praying. Some people have been praying really hard for um, my friend Harold from Straban. And uh, he has leukemia, but has took pneumonia and inflammation of the lungs and was in intensive care for about a week there. But yesterday I went up to see him and things have turned around and he was sitting, he was able to get up and sit and eat his vegetable soup. So thank you very much for your prayers. Your prayers have been answered, but please continue to pray for him because he's, he's still got that battle with leukemia uh, to fight. But we really appreciate God has answered prayer there. Um, it's good to see Karen Cardi back home. There she is at the back. Great tan and everything. Okay, but Blaze is looking for another adventure. That's our little bee. He's looking for another adventure to go with someone on holiday. I know he's going, I think, with Brian Gartland uh, later on. And, uh, but if you have a couple of days in between, look at the list at the back, and the dates are there. And if you could squeeze Blaze into a little trip, even a day trip, a couple of days away... Uh, Please take the journal, and it's good fun, and we're trying to teach the children about global mission, okay, global mission, about the missionaries that have gone out to different parts of the country and shared Christ. Um, Zoom prayer times, we had a wonderful prayer time on, on Wednesday night, and it was great to see, there, were, there was the most I've ever seen at it, and it was tremendous. And uh, there, the, the, the morning, the Friday morning sessions, they have stopped for until September, but we're having another uh, evening of prayer uh, on Wednesday the 3rd of August at 8pm as we build up to schism. Uh, we'll be praying a lot about that. So please see the order of service for login details. Uh, service of commissioning for Ben Cavan, we're looking forward to that Sunday the 14th of August at half, half past three, and we're going to have refreshments to be served after the service. And Muriel's taken charge of that. And please, there are lists at the back, which you would, would you sign on one of the lists today if you're planning to attend, just to help us to know how many to cater for. And we really hope you'll attend to welcome and encourage Ben. I know when I was being installed here, it was a great encouragement just to see everyone and, and meet people and the enthusiasm here and the friendliness. Right, the Bradley Hall complex will be unavailable from Monday the 15th of August until Monday the 29th of August for essential cleaning. And this will include major work on the floor of the Bradley Hall, which must not be walked on during the period. Okay, but that is on your order of service also. Uh, Gospel Music Club, a lady dropped in with this during the week. It's a little flyer. And it's on the first Friday of every month from half past seven to 10.30 at Drumbo Presbyterian Church Hall in Lisburn. And there's all sorts of music. There's flyers are at the back, all sorts of music that are going to attend. Um, solo artists, audience singing, open mic segment. That possibly gives you an opportunity to get up and sing if you want. Gospel music, southern country music, old hymns. There's a whole lot of stuff on this. Uh, if you're interested. And just one final announcement is that uh, we're looking for two sofas uh, for the SPU hall. The other sofa's a bit dead. And uh, so if you know of anybody that's given away uh, an old, a sofa which is in good enough condition to use, please uh, get in touch with us. We'd appreciate that. Thank you. Um, so I'm just going to start the service with Psalm 19, verse 14. Uh, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer.
Sometimes we can read the Word of God and it just goes straight over our heads. This is about allowing it to sink from our minds to our hearts to our feet to be life-changing for us and for our fellowship. Let's pray. Father, that is our prayer today, um, that the meditation, uh, that the words of our mouth and the meditation of our hearts would be acceptable in your sight. Lord, that, that what we sing today would be from our hearts, our praise, the preaching, our fellowship. Lord, that it may be done unto you, that you would be glorified in everything that's said and done, that Jesus would be lifted up, and by him being lifted up in this place, that you would draw us closer to yourself. May we not leave here today without meeting with you, Lord. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're going to stand. We're going to sing when peace like a river. Um. like to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 to 8, and then verse 13. 
Paul writes to the church at Corinth, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have a faith that can move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. And verse 13, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. And before we come to the, a little family address where uh, the Youth Fellowship had a, had a good uh, residential, uh, a, a bit of crack and uh, some good teaching as well. So they've put a wee video together to keep us in touch with what's going on. So we're going to watch that. It's a wee short video. We're going to watch that now. First Corinthians 13, a bit of it from verse 1 to 8. And uh, 
I just want to speak on the last verse that we read, verse 13, about faith, hope, and love. Whenever I was a kid, especially in Record Breakers, sometimes you'd find that there were these guys come on with these massive millions of dominoes and that all of them lined up, and then you toppled them over, and there were all these designs that developed. It was fantastic. So I loved that. So I was thinking about faith, hope, and love, because often in life, um, things have a knock-on effect. You throw a stone in a pond and there's ripples. And in a sense, faith leads us to hope, which knocks on then to love. So why don't we look at that just briefly this morning. Um, Yeah, there we go. That's the verse. Now, these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. That doesn't mean that faith and hope aren't important or crucially important. But Paul is saying love is the greatest of these. I just want to look at those three things just in a wee bit uh, more detail. Faith, we're told, comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And I've spoken the last couple of weeks about how we can hear about Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead, the punishment that he went through for each of us. But it's dead in the water until we receive Christ And when we receive Christ, we're applying by faith. We're receiving all of his promises that he has for us. And we're receiving that salvation. Now, sometimes uh, people ask, well, do you have to have a lot of faith? My faith is very weak, very small. And Jesus talks about a mustard seed of faith. I want to give you a wee illustration I heard from Charles Price about faith. He, he was, when he was 19 years of age, Charles Price was, ended up a pastor in Canada. He was a lecturer in Cape and Ray. But uh, when he started off, 19 years of age, he went to South Africa just for a year for missionary work, just to get his feet wet a wee bit. And he got on the plane. He'd never been on a plane before, ever. And he sat down in the middle seat. And there's a wee woman beside him, and she was so frightened. She was shaking. And she'd never been on a plane either. And he guessed that, and he started to try and comfort her and talk to her. She says, if it wasn't for my grandchildren in South Africa, I wouldn't be on this plane. There's a man then sat down on the aisle seat beside Charles Price, and he was a businessman, and he got his book out, and re- very relaxed, and then he started to fall asleep. And Charles was saying, with me, you add a medium amount of faith. He said, the wee woman beside me, she had very little faith, And the man beside me on the other side had a massive amount of faith he could fall asleep. And he said, the strangest thing is, although we had different amounts of faith, we all arrived in South Africa at the same time. (laughs) It wasn't like those that had loads of faith got there first. And, And Jesus talks about having a little bit of faith in a massive big God. Uh, and, and, but it is important to develop our faith, and we do that by reading the Word of God. Uh, we're told that that builds up our faith. And faith, when we put our faith in Christ, it's like sticking a plug into the power socket and the light comes on. You know, you receive by faith. And, and that, when you, you receive Christ, then the next thing that that kicks on to, knocks on to, is it gives us hope. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil. Hope is very important in all of our lives. There's a book I've been reading. It's called by an author, Viktor Frankl. And he uh, was, he is actually still a psychiatrist. And he was a psychiatrist that lived in Austria. And he was a Jew. And uh, during the Second World War, he, he and all his family were taken to concentration camps. He lost his mother, his father, his uh, brother, and his wife. And it was terrible. The only person in his family he didn't lose was his sister. And uh, he was in Auschwitz, Auschwitz for an awful long time. And something he discovered as a psychiatrist was why there hope is so incredibly important to people. Now, often people didn't make it because of the gas chambers and because of the, the Nazis, and they shot them in, in the concentration camps. But he said, but those that kept going... Those that managed to avoid the Nazis and kept their heads down in the concentration camps, what kept them going was hope. 
and he said there was a group of us that met together when everybody else started to go to sleep we met together and we talked about the homes we were going to buy back our old homes what we're going to do when we got out of the concentration camps and, and about what we're going to bake, the food we're going to bake and the meals we're going to have and we'll invite all of us round for tea. And that kept them going. Hope. And he said hope is so important. But sometimes we could substitute hope for wishful thinking. We often use that as wishful thinking. Like I could say to you, I hope to play for Manchester United this season, and I hope that they do an awful lot better. But that's wishful thinking. It is just wishful thinking. But the hope that we have got that talks about the hope in the Greek and the New Testament is a hope which is a sure and certain hope that is based on the Word of God, that is based... Um, on the promises of Jesus Christ. So our faith, when we connect with Christ, we receive Christ, that gives us hope. And our hope is not groundless. Our hope is in the Word of God and in Christ's promises, which then helps us to focus even more on love. Here we go. Yes, but the greatest of these is love. And, And when we look at the cross, we have a clear view of what the love of Christ and the love of God really is. That that death on the cross was absolutely horrific, but that he went through that for you and for me. The greatest of these is love. Jesus said himself, greater love has no one than this, than he laid down his life for his friends. So I want you to reflect on that and meditate on that. To think about this is love that Christ has for me. That this is love that Christ has that he would go and do this for me. And let it go into your heart. Receive it. Because many of you think, how could God love me? Because I think that too sometimes. How could God love me? And you think that. But that's wrong. God loves you. And there's the evidence. That's the evidence. But just in closing, Paul, Paul talks about it being the greatest. The great, faith is important, hope is important, but the greatest of these is love. Uh, by this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And this, it's like, uh, like I would like, we are a family, but, but we're like that lighthouse. We're trying to protect people, and that's what we want to do. We want to protect people. We want to care for people in the storms of life. And it was more evident probably back in Paul's day, because I've been saying about how Corinth was a port, and it was sailors were up to all sorts of nasty things, and there was drink coming out of pubs at night and a half full, and all of that was going on, and going to prostitutes and sleeping around, and all of this was going on. And meanwhile, there was this wee church that Paul had established in Corinth, and they were trying to live for Christ. And Paul is saying, listen, love is so important. Because when people outside look at the love that is within your church, they're going to think, goodness, that's a strange thing. People that are so used to always bitterness and distrust outside of the church, and they find this love and unconditional love, you know, accepting people just as they are. That sort of love, that sort of support. And Jesus That's one thing. Jesus says, the reason, he says, by this all will know that you are my disciples. By what? By wearing nice suits on a Sunday? No. By singing in the choir? No. By taking communion? No. But by your love for one another, people will know that you're my disciples. So faith, which connects us then to hope, which connects us then to love, the love of Christ, which he calls us, to love one another and for this love to spill out of our own congregation to the community, to those that live uh, locally amongst us. So uh, let me see, I've forgotten what we're doing next. (laughs) Hold on, I'll just go back here and check. Uh, Yeah, what we're going to do is um, we're going to just sit, okay, for this next song. It's called I, I Will Wait For You. Because the theme this today is thinking about what is God trying to say to me personally through his word? 
what's he trying to say to me? Is he trying to encourage me? Is he trying to, to guide me? Is he trying to convict me? Is he trying to just put his arms around me and reassure me? So we're just going to sing. Well, you can sing if you want. If you know the song, please sing. But we're going to sit and we're going to think about um, the, the, the words of this chorus.
hamster wheel at some point every day and try and just still our hearts before God and quiet our hearts before God because he's got so much he wants to say to us um, and we're missing it if we don't. So we're going to, it's time for the Bible class that they want to go out at Sunday Club and, um, and also there's crash. I think over here, is there crash? Yeah, is there? <laughs> yep, there's crash. If anybody wants to have a, has, a, has to bring a wee child down, there's crash in at the quiet room, just at the side here. Um, okay. Let's, let's just pray. Let's be still before God. Let's pray. Father, there's not a better place for us to be than in your presence. One day in your presence is better than a thousand elsewhere. To meet with you this morning, the great I am, the Holy One of Israel, the Lion of Judah, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. Yet you call us your friends. And as we put our trust in your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, you make us your adopted children. Father, life doesn't get any better than that. To know that your children are within your sight always. Father, we pray for this place. We pray, God, for Ballycrock Presbyterian Church. We pray that you would increasingly be at the centre of our church. And at times when we lose that focus, we pray that we may regain it again quickly. We pray, God, that you would make us more and more a family, a body of people united together under Christ. And as we draw close, to you, may, may we cl draw close to one another. May we look out for one another, showing love and grace to one another. May our love be a witness to those we come in contact with, especially our own community. May we take the command of Jesus seriously. <coughs> love one another, even as I have loved you. Help us in our own hearts to grow in faith, hope, and love. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. I'm going to, going to sing another, uh, it's another old song, um, but it's a beautiful song. It's about keeping close to the cross of Christ. It says, Jesus, keep me near the cross.
Just going to read uh, two verses from Philippians, chapter 4, verses 8 to 9. We're coming very close to the end of Philippians. I think probably next week uh, we'll probably finish us. But uh, Philippians chapter 4, verses 8 to 9. And Paul writes, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Amen. This is the word of God. When at Belfast Bible College, uh, there was a man called Pastor Val English. Some of you will maybe know him. He was Baptist pastor of Newton Breed Baptist and uh, later on he was a Baptist pastor of Port Stewart Baptist. And in between, he was a lecturer in Belfast Bible College. Well, he took us for a homiletics class. That's a fancy name for techniques of preaching. And uh, one lecture was about distractions, and uh, distractions in the service. And he said, now, whatever happens, don't be distracted by anybody in the service. And he told of a story about a minister taking a service in quite a large church. It's a bit like the Ulster Hall. It did have a balcony like this one. And uh, the minister asked everyone to bow their heads in prayer. And uh, as they did, there was a man sitting on the front row of the balcony. And uh, his wig fell off. <laughs> And it, it just landed on the woman underneath. And everybody had their eyes shut, apart from the minister at the front who was praying, but everybody had their eyes shut. And this woman felt this wig landing on her lap. And she opened her eyes, looked her out, didn't know where it had come from. But she noticed that there was a bald man sitting in front of her. So she thought it had come from him. So as everybody's eyes were shut, he, she lifted the wig and tried to put it on the man in front <laughs> and fix it on his head. Now, the minister at the front behind the pulpit, he was the only one that had his eyes shut, and he was looking down and saw what was going on. The next thing, he collapsed behind the pulpit. And the elders thought he was taken ill, and they came up and carried him off to a wee room out the back. But all they could hear was this shrieks of laughter. The guy was increased over in laughter. So whatever in a service, Val English was saying, whatever happens in a service, do not lose your focus. And if you wear a wig, don't sit in the balcony. <laughs> so, but Paul speaks here to the church at Philippi and through them to us about a particular pattern of thinking. Last week we were looking at substituting anxiety with prayer. Do not be anxious about anything, but pray. Now in verse 8, Paul is speaking about controlling to the best of our ability what we think about. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, uh, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, we're not going to be able to go through all those today. We're going to cover a few. But uh, we're probably not conscious of how many thoughts run through our minds. Uh, to say there, there are many would be probably an understatement. Now, sometimes it doesn't feel that way. Sometimes it feels like you've only, you have a, only a thought every now and again. Sometimes you feel like so focused on something that you've only one thought in a day. But the reality is that there are thoughts going on in our minds all of the time. And I'd like you to think this morning of each thought as having some kind of a spiritual charge to it, a positive or a negative charge. A thought with a positive charge will lead you towards joy, will lead you towards love, will lead you towards peace. Um, a thought, though, with, uh, which is negatively charged may lead you towards anger, it may lead you towards discouragement, it may lead you towards self-centeredness, it may lead you towards fear. And the question is, what kind of a mind do I want to have? What kind of a mind do I want to have? Solomon speaks to his son in Proverbs. He tries to explain a little about man's nature. And he writes in Proverbs 3, verse 7, As a man thinks in his heart, 
so is he. The heart in Scripture is not the organ that pumps blood uh, through the body. In Scripture, the heart refers to the mind and the emotions and the will. And Solomon is saying to his son, if a man gets caught up thinking enough about something, it's not just going to remain as a thought in his mind, it's going to affect how he feels and what he decides to do. It's going to affect who the man is and the decisions he makes. So again, the question is, what kind of a mind do I want to have? Because what happens in here is going to affect the person that I am, the decisions I make, the way I treat people. Paul, in his letter to the church in Rome, writes, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I want to look briefly this morning at the pattern of thinking that Paul advises us to have. Guidelines as to things we should think about. Um, First of all, he says, whatever is true. You know, God is a God of truth. Paul is referring here to truth in in the broadest sense. Um, I do like science, and science, like any other discipline, sometimes gets things right and sometimes gets it wrong. I, I don't think we should feel intimidated by science when they get it right. Truth is not something to be intimidated by, but rather something to be amazed by. I think it was Thomas Aquinas who said, all truth is God's truth. And whether that be the principles which God has set in place to hold our universe together, or whether that be uh, the intricate workings of the human body that God has set in place that we can live quality lives, or the awe-inspiring instinct of each animal, or the intricate workings of the human body, or the awe-inspiring solar system, that God has put before us. You know, it gives us many, 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 many reasons to praise God when we realize how big he is, how adequate he is, how majestic and amazing and creative he is. Um, But for the Christian, of course, the truth of God's word is central in our lives. I do believe with all my heart, the Bible is the word of God. I don't understand all of it. There's some of it I find difficult to to reconcile. But I do believe that it is the word of God. Um, and, and, And that's what we do. We step out in faith in a knowledge and an understanding of the word of God that he is speaking to us. And he does many, many times through his word. Paul in a second letter to Timothy writes, All scripture is given by inspiration of God. Now, the Greek word literally means it's God-breathed. Scripture is God-breathed, and it's useful for teaching, it's useful for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness. You know, and it's in feeding and digesting the word of God that our minds are renewed. I wonder, do you ever read the Bible in your quiet time and... Then your busy day starts. And then later on in the day, you try to remember, what on earth did I read in my quiet time? And it's gone. You've forgotten it. That happens to me many times. Um, And that's why it's important to meditate. Meditation is important in our spiritual growth. I don't want you to be frightened by this term, meditation. I'm not referring to transcendental meditation, which comes from Eastern religions. I don't recommend that at all. Uh, Transcendental meditation is about emptying the mind of everything. But Christian meditation, it involves filling your mind with Scripture, taking a verse or verses and chewing them over in your mind, asking yourself, what is God wanting to say to me personally in this verse? Is there guidance for me, perhaps? Is there a challenge Is God wanting to speak to me from this verse? A word of encouragement? Is he wanting to speak kindness and comfort? Is he wanting to rebuke me, perhaps? To convict me? To challenge me? But as you reflect, the word of God has a chance to go from your head down into your heart and then into your feet, that it changes your life. 
You know, the understanding that you get from reflecting on those verses, well, it'll be a great benefit to you, a tremendous benefit, and you may go. It's an investment. Reading the Bible is an investment. These are the thoughts of God. This is the Word of God. Whether you understand it all or not, these are the thoughts and words of God. And it's an investment to invest these words, these passages, in your mind, in your hearts, to think about them, because next week or the week after or 10 years down the line, you might be going through a really rough storm, a really difficult time. And the Holy Spirit is able to use those verses that you've invested in your heart and mind to bring those back to you as a comfort and reassurance. If you don't put them in, how's he going to use them? So it's so important to reflect upon the Word of God and to, as I say, get off the hamster wheel, get off the busyness of life and spend time with the living God because He wants to spend time with you. Prayer, I reckon, is more about listening than it is about speaking. Being still that your heart may be open to receive what the living God wants to say to you personally. It's important. So Paul says, think on such things. Whatever is true, think on such things. Whatever is just. Again, the character of God. God is a just God. He's he's a God of justice. And whether it settles well with atheists or not, What we determine to be right or wrong is based on who God is. The very origins of our legal system is based upon who God is and the law of God. Without God, there is no foundation for right or wrong. In Judges, the Old Testament, the people of God, they turned their backs away from God and they heard him. And we're told everyone did what was right in his own eyes. No longer going with what God was saying. Everyone did what was right in their own eyes. A bit like today sometimes. And it was chaotic. It was chaos. For God, justice is essential. Justice must be done. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27, says, And it is appointed for men to die once. But after this is the judgment. In other words, God's inability to tolerate sin, he is going to have to judge that sin. So if we die, we're told once man dies, God judges the sin of that man or that woman. Of course, that is different when we're trusting in Christ. I said a few weeks ago that it's impossible to reconcile justice and mercy because justice is about getting what you deserve. Mercy is about not receiving what you deserve. You just can't reconcile those two. So we die without Christ. We get the justice, the judgment of God. But because of Christ on the cross, justice is satisfied. Justice and mercy are reconciled because God has taken his own son and knowing as a just God he must punish sin and therefore he takes his own son and he he punishes him that we might be free. The justice is done on his son and that when we trust Christ we're plugging into something powerful where we receive Christ's righteousness, God's forgiveness cleansing, clean as the white as the snow. You know, Paul also uses this term just. Some translations is the term right. In the NIV, it's right, or the word just is used in New King James. But it's a general, Paul is talking to more than just the cross here, more than just uh, justice of, of, of God as being a judge when you die, he, he's talking here about right action, about doing what is just, about doing what is right in the broad sense of the term. You know, think about the things that Paul says for, for just living. Think about doing the right thing. We have so many decisions, don't we? We have so many decisions to make in life. And Paul is saying, think about doing the right thing. 
And doing the right thing isn't always easy. Doing the right thing isn't always going to be, you know, fanfare and glory. Doing the right thing, in fact, sometimes is going to cost you. It's going to be inconvenient for you. But Paul says, think about doing the right thing in every situation and every circumstance. No matter what anybody else is doing, no matter what you're tempted to do, do the right thing. Thirdly, whatever is pure, Paul says, whatever is pure, the God we worship These things are down to the character of God. The God we worship is a God of purity. It's just part of who he is. His heart is clean. His garments are pure white. You know, today we live in a very warped, impure, and perverse society where children as young as 11 years old are being hooked on pornography and where the NASPCC are saying we're getting more and more calls from children shocked at what they've seen online. Young people are growing up confused as to what the guidelines are. Even on programs shown during the day now, more and more compromises are being made with regards to moral standards. And the more people watch it, the more their moral expectations begin to get eroded and their principles begin to get eroded. And what shocked you 15 years ago maybe doesn't even shock you today when you see it. You know, a phrase that I've heard say, even within a church context, well, it's the 21st century we're living in now, as if we just have to accept it. We're living in the 21st century now. Well, sin is sin, whether you're living in the 21st century, whether you live in the 1st century. Sin is sin, and God's still the same yesterday, today, and forever, and he must judge sin. The prophet Isaiah said that even his righteous acts, and the prophet Isaiah is one of my favorite prophets. You know, God's hand was all over his ministry, and he was a man of God, and yet when he... He meets the Lord that day in Isaiah 6 in the temple. He goes, woe is me, I'm in difficulty here because I've seen the glory of the Lord and I recognize stains in my life that I never saw before. And he turns around to one verse and he says, my righteous acts, what I thought was like really good, that was really good stuff. He says they're like filthy rags in comparison to God's purity and God's righteousness. So Paul, you know, what I feel for young people growing up today, you know, how in Psalm 119, the psalmist asks a question that is so relevant today as well. How can a young man keep his way pure? His answer, by living according to God's word. Verse 11 goes on to say then, I've hidden your word in my heart. See the importance of knowing the Word of God, reading it, reflecting it. I have hidden the Word of God in my heart that I might not sin against you. Paul says here, whatever is pure, think about such things. But purity here also just doesn't refer to things of a sexual nature. It refers to purity in general. A purity in our motives. A purity in our motives. A purity in what we say. Purity in what we do. And again, it comes back to the word of God. Love God, love your neighbor. Those are the two main things that Christ says of us, demands of us. Love God, honor him. Don't break his heart. Honor him in what you do and what you say and how you live. And love your neighbor, not just your next door neighbor. Love your enemies. Love those who are going through difficult times in this community and they don't know God and they're facing it alone. Love your neighbor. Treat them with respect. But whatever is lovely then, also we have a, we have a God who's so creative. We have a wonderful God who is so incredibly creative. You know, astounding beauty he has created from the steep, flat, ragged slopes of Mount Everest to the salt plains of Africa, from the vastness of an ocean to the tiniest of butterflies, from the dark color of a tadpole to the glow of a salmon. 
from the ferocious nature of a tiger to the gentleness of a kitten, or stand in awe. Those of you who have got wee grandchildren or wee newborn baby in your family, how we look at them, how we look at her, and the perfect wee nails, the wee fingers, the wee toes, the wee nose and the ears, you know, the, the smile, when it smiles up at you, you can stand in awe and say, goodness God, you are an amazing, amazing, amazing creator. You know, think on things, Paul says, which, God, which, which have God's fingerprints all over them, which are beautiful, which are not tarnished by society. You know, it helps us also to keep a perspective in, in life, doesn't it? That the Lord who created such beauty and such a massive God has got our lives in his hands and we are safe in his hands. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. He said, look at the lilies of the field. Now, have God clothes the grass of the field, and today it grows, and tomorrow it's thrown into the fire and burnt. How much more will he clothe you? How much more does he love you than the sparrow that falls from the tree? And yet Jesus says he even knows about every sparrow that falls. But we're coming near to the close of my message. Just allow Solomon to speak to you again in Proverbs 4, verse 23. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Not only does Paul give us a pattern of thinking, guiding us to think about these things, but there needs also to be a refusal to think of things which will pollute our hearts. Refuse those. Because who we are and what we do and what we say and our attitudes will flow out of the condition of our hearts. Paul in 2 Corinthians 10.5, he speaks of the need to take every thought captive to obey Christ. Ephesians 4.27, Paul in the context of speaking about anger, he tells us if you're angry with someone, sort it out before you go to bed at night. He writes, do not give the devil a foothold. In other words, don't allow your thoughts of anger to build and fester to the point where your emotions are involved and your will is involved and you may end up saying or doing something that you'll regret. Sort it out. Don't let the devil have a foothold in your life. Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it, says Solomon. We need to be thinking about godly things, about things that God wants us on the list, the six list, the list of six here, to think about godly things and allow him to renew our mind with his word and change our hearts. And by doing that, the Holy Spirit changes who we are and what we do and our attitudes and behavior. But then just finally, Paul closes this section with uh, verse 9, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. What's Paul saying here is practice these things. You know, we've not learned these things until we've lived them out, lived them out in the workplace, lived them out in the home, lived them out going on the bus, lived them out, lived them, lived them out in our community with our neighbours. Paul's saying, you might know all this stuff, this might sound really good, but put it into practice. Paul encourages us to make these six things a part of our lives as a result of the choices, even small choices, that we make each day. And he says, and the God of peace will be with you. Do you remember in verse 7, Paul promises the peace of God. Do not be anxious about anything, but pray, and the peace of God will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Well, here in verse 9, the reward is even better than that. It's the very God of peace himself. The God of peace will be with you. Let's pray. Father, it can be difficult when there is busyness in our lives. It can be difficult when on social media there can be stuff that's just hateful, bitter, 
and pure. And it's difficult, Father, for us just to focus on the things that you want us to focus on. But Father, I pray that we might discipline it into our day, make it a good habit that we quieten our hearts before you with the word of God, with your word, Lord, on our laps, and just in silenceness, silence, think about what you're saying through your word, and may it renew our minds, transform us, cleanse our minds, our hearts, renew us to be the person that you would want us to be. We pray, Lord, I thank you that we don't do this in our own strength. But Paul tells us in Colossians, Christ in you is the hope of glory. Christ is our power, our resource to live in us, to renew our minds and sanctify us and live through us. Lord, we th- I just want to thank you that all the mistakes that we make, and I make many, Lord, I thank you that your grace is big enough for everyone. And Lord, that your forgiveness is there when I fall down. And Lord, that you help me to get back up again, dust myself down, and move on with yourself. I thank you for that. And Lord, I thank you for your grace for every single person here today. And I pray, Lord, that if they've been thinking about giving their lives to the living God, and they've just not got around to it, and they've kept putting it off, Lord, I pray that they'd do it, and do it today. In the name of Jesus, because we either meet him as a judge or we meet him as a savior. If we've trusted him now as a savior, we won't meet him as a judge. But if we don't trust him as a savior, we'll meet him as a judge. Father, I pray we want every single person in this community to come into a living faith and to know you as savior and Lord. We ask for these things. We, we cry out for these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's finish with, uh, guide me, O thy great Redeemer. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.